For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject Paul's Life and Letters, For or Against Torah. This is part 10 of the series. So the problem here that Paul is addressing, Colossians chapter 2, is these people who are coming and judging believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. But what are they teaching? What are they saying? Who is these men that are doing this? Well, let's go back and look at it in context. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 4, it is written, In this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So now Paul's addressing the people or any man that's coming in and trying to beguile primarily non-Jewish believers in Yeshua as the Messiah in the synagogue with their enticing words. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men. So these are things that human beings are teaching. And so the Bible is not a tradition of man. The Bible is the written word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the written word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit is in contrast to these people who's coming into the assemblies and they are teaching man's philosophies and man's traditions and not after the Messiah and goes on to say in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances so this has been interpreted that what's been blotted out is the Torah no what's been blotted out is ordinances and this is the Strong's number 1378 in the Strong's Greek dictionary and once again it's dogma and so Paul is saying that Messiah is blotting out dogma man-made traditions man-made philosophies and the rudiments of the natural world that is in conflict to faith in Messiah. And so it's the man who's coming into the assemblies with human philosophies and the teachings and the doctrines and the traditions of men that's enticing you and beguiling you. And that person is not to judge you in meat or in drink or respect of a holy day or the new moon of the Sabbath, which implies that they were judging you in respect to how you eat, what you eat, and how you worship and celebrate, keeping the Sabbath, keeping the festivals, and celebrating the new moon. And so in what way would they be judging you after the 
the traditions of men? Well, they would be telling you that the way in which you keep the Sabbath, the way in which you keep the annual festivals, the way in which you keep the new moon, the the way in which you eat your food is not the proper way to do these things. So what would be a practical example of how these people that were doing these things, what would be an example today? Well, we know biblically that we're to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath was established by the Creator in creation as a blueprint for His creation. And who's the Creator? It's Yeshua. John chapter 1 verse 3, John chapter 1 verse 10 tells us that Yeshua created the heavens and the earth. So Yeshua, when He created the heavens and the earth, He rested on the seventh day. He kept Sabbath. And so keeping the Sabbath is biblical. But today, and a non-Jew seeking to keep the Sabbath, perhaps someone would come and say, you're not keeping the Sabbath right. Now, it's a Jewish custom and tradition that as the Sabbath arrives, that you're going to distinguish between the arrival of the Sabbath and the six working days, and you're going to do that by lighting two candles, and you're going to be saying certain prayers, and so that is a Jewish custom. So, if somebody would come to you who may also be keeping the Sabbath, Sabbath, just like you, and say, you're not keeping the Sabbath right because you did not light two candles to start the Sabbath. And actually, in Jewish tradition, you light the two candles 18 minutes before the sun goes down. So if they came to me and said, well, you know, you're not keeping the Sabbath right because you didn't light two candles 18 minutes before the sun goes down. Well, this is a custom of the Jewish people from the teachings and the influence of the rabbis. So it may have cultural meaning, but it's not biblical commandment. And so it was those who were influenced by the Pharisees in rabbinic Judaism that were judging the non-Jews regarding their practice of the observance of the Torah that Paul was now telling these non-Jewish believers to do not allow themselves to be influenced by what these people are saying according to the dogma, the traditions of men. And Paul goes on to say that the Sabbath, the new moon, the festivals, the dietary laws, they are a blueprint or they are a shadow and they will teach you of something to come. And since Yeshua had already died on the tree, whenever Paul is writing these letters and he says that those things tell us of something to come, what would they then tell Tell us about if it's future, if it's to come. It's about Messiah's second coming. So how many of you heard teachings about how the dietary laws teach about Messiah's second coming? Or how the Sabbath and the festivals and the new moon teach about Messiah's second coming? Paul says that they do. Because he says the body or the substance or the heart of the Sabbath, the new moon, the festivals, the dietary laws, the heart of what their purpose is, is to teach you about the Messiah. So in order to show that this is the context that these men were doing coming into your assemblies. Paul goes on to say in Colossians chapter 2 verse 20, wherefore if you be dead with Messiah from the rudiments of this world, why as though living in the world are you subject
subject to ordinances. So this has been interpreted that Paul is asking, why are you following the Torah? Why are you following the Sabbath and the new moon and the biblical festivals and the dietary laws? But Paul is asking, why are you making yourself subject to dogma? And then in Colossians 2.22, he says subject to dogma, which is the traditions and the commandments of men. And he says in Colossians 2.22, after the commandments and the doctrines of men. And so the written word of God is not a doctrine of man. So what's the doctrines of men that he's referring to? He's referring to the rabbinical decrees of the Pharisees that they teach are dogma. The Pharisaic rulings in Judaism are to be followed as if they're commandments from God. So we could further see that this is what Paul is addressing in Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 from the beginning of Perkei Avot, which is the sayings of the fathers, chapter 1, verse 1. And here it is mentioned that you should make offense around the Torah. Moses received the Torah from Sinai and transmitted it to Joshua. Joshua transmitted it to the elders, the elders to the prophets, and the prophets transmitted it to the men of the great assembly, those who became leaders from the return of Babylonian captivity in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. They are the men of the great assembly. And so the teaching of Judaism is the men of the great assembly said three things. Be deliberate in judgment, that is, doing right and good things things for people, raise men students, and make a protective fence for the Torah. And so this is what the rabbis ended up doing, is they took the written commandments, and then they put a fence around the written commandments and commanded the people to not trespass the rabbi's fence. And so what would be an example of a fence? Well, let's say that the biblical commandment is that if you are a child, that you are not to touch the stove when the stove is turned on and the burners are hot because you might burn your hands, you might burn your fingers. And so let's say that that would be the commandment where the rabbis would make a fence in order to protect the child from putting his hand on the stove when it was hot and getting burnt. The fence would be don't go in the kitchen. And so they then not going in the kitchen would then be taught as the commandment, not don't put your hand on the stove when the stove is hot. So then in making the fence around the commandment, someone may come along and make a fence to the fence. So instead of saying don't go into the kitchen, they might say don't go into the house because if you don't go in the house, then you won't go into the kitchen and then you won't expose yourself to the possibility that someone's cooking in the kitchen and that the stove is turned on and stove is hot and then you'll burn your finger. And so then once the fences are made and then someone trespasses the fence, in other words, they went into the house or they went in the kitchen and someone will say, oh, you broke the law. You broke the law. You disobeyed God. And so obviously some fences have value and are good, but not every man-made decision is going to line up with the word of God. So 
So one obvious one is the rabbis are of the opinion that Yeshua is not the Messiah. So they tell the Jewish people he's not the Messiah and they put a fence and they say, well, don't believe in him and don't read the New Testament. And so this would be examples of dogma that Paul was admonishing non-Jewish believers in Yeshua as the Messiah to not entrap themselves with as they're going to the synagogue on the Sabbath to express faith in Messiah and to learn and follow the Torah. We're told in the Talmud in Pesachim 115a that the rabbi's dogma, the rabbi's interpretation and rulings regarding various matters overrides written biblical commandment. It says, and even on the view that precepts cannot nullify each other, or in other words, one biblical verse can't contradict another biblical verse, that applies only to biblical verses that a biblical verse can't contradict another biblical verse. And the principle is that a rabbinical ruling cannot violate a previous rabbinical ruling. But in the case of a scriptural verse and a rabbinical ruling, the rabbinical ruling is able to nullify the scriptural verse and the scriptural commandment. So now, going back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 22, Paul is admonishing non-Jewish believers in Yeshua as the Messiah to not follow the commandments and the doctrines of men. And in Colossians 2.8, to not follow after the traditions of men. So in order to further show you that Paul was speaking about the rabbinical dogma decrees of the rabbis, I'd like to share with you from the writings of Josephus, who's a Jewish historian of the first century, in Josephus Antiquities 13.10.6. He writes... The Pharisees have delivered to the people a great many observances by succession from their fathers. What does he mean by succession from their fathers? As it was stated in Perkei Avot that Moses passed it to Joshua and Joshua passed it along ultimately to the prophets, to the men of the great assembly, etc., down to the rabbis. So they delivered to the people a great many observances by succession from their fathers, which are not written in the Torah of Moses, and for that reason, it is the Sadducees who primarily oversaw things in the temple, that the Sadducees reject the Pharisees, and the Sadducees say that we are to esteem those observances to be obligatory, which are in the written word. We're, we're supposed to follow the commandments that are in the written Torah, but the Sadducees say that you're not to observe what is derived from um, the decrees of the rabbis, which Josephus speaks to as being the tradition of the fathers. And so that which Paul is addressing in his letters, as we're examining here in Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2, is the same thing that Yeshua encountered in his ministry as well as with his disciples. We can see this in Matthew in chapter 15, verse 3, where it is written, 
And he, Yeshua, answered unto them, that is the Pharisees, why do you transgress the commandment of God, the written commandment of God, by your tradition or by your dogma or by the rabbinical decrees and rulings? And so Yeshua says regarding that in Matthew 15 verse 9, in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines, teaching for dogma, the commandments of men. So he's referring to the rabbinical decrees and fences that they have established for the people where in in those places where they violate the heart of the written commandment, they are commandments of men. And Yeshua said that if you believe in him and follow these teachings and doctrines and commandments of men, that you are following him in vain. So that's the point that Paul was making as well to the non-Jewish believers in his letter to Ephesians and in Colossians. He was making the same point that Yeshua was making, that they would be worshiping him in vain if they followed after these men and their philosophies who were advocating following the traditions of men, which is the dogma of men, the dogma of the rabbis, rather than seeking to follow Yeshua's Torah by his Holy Spirit. And so Yeshua did away with the dogma as an expression of faith in him. And so in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 and 2 and verse 4, Yeshua says, Then spake Yeshua, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now what does it mean to sit in Moses' seat? It means that they make rulings according to the Torah. They make Torah rulings. And so it didn't say that they were sitting in Moses' seat according to the scripture. It just says that they were sitting in their seat. So you can make rulings regarding the Bible and not be properly put in that place to make that ruling. So the fact that it says the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat is not a statement of Yeshua that they belong there. It's just a statement that they were exercising, interpreting the Torah text. But Yeshua went on to say regarding their rulings in Matthew 23 verse 4 that they bind heavy burdens and they lay on men's shoulders heavy burdens. And in what way are they putting those heavy burdens upon God's people? It's through the rulings of putting a fence around the Torah. And so this fence was in effect present in the second temple, the temple of the first century. And in the temple, there was a demarcation where it said that non-Jews were not permitted to go farther than that particular point. And speaking of that separation between Jew and non-Jew, Paul referred to it as the middle wall of partition that Messiah has broken down. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, for Yeshua is our peace and he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So now I'm going to share with you regarding that middle wall of partition that Paul was referring to from the works of Josephus Antiquities 15.11.5 where Josephus writes, in the western quarter of the enclosures of the temple there were four gates. Thus was the first enclosure in the midst of which and not far from it was the second to be gone 
gone up to by a few steps. This was encompassed by a stone wall for a partition, and it had inscribed upon it the forbidding of non-Jews to pass by it or through it under the penalty of death. So where does the penalty of death ruling come from? Is it in the written Torah? No, it was a dogma. It was a rabbinical decree established by the rabbis. And so Paul dealt with this middle wall of partition and how it created a separation between Jews and non-Jews and how they worshipped and expressed their faith in the God of Israel. As we can see in Acts chapter 21 verse 27. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were in Asia, when they saw him, that is Paul in the temple, they stirred up all the people and they laid hands on him. And look at the accusation that the Jews are making of Paul in Acts chapter 21 verse 28. Crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man, referring to Paul, that brought non-Jews, Greeks into the temple. And in doing so, has polluted the temple by bringing a non-Jew into the temple. So, in the written scriptures, did God specify that this separation in the temple be made between Jew and non-Jew? No. How did it get there? It got there through man-made decrees. It got there through man-made dogma. And so, Yeshua had to address that issue with his disciples, and he was being accused of not following the man-made traditions, decrees, and dogma in Matthew chapter 15. Paul's dealing with it in Acts chapter 21 verses 27 and 28. And it's a problem city to city, synagogue to synagogue, where in the first century we had non-Jews who were in the synagogue worshiping with Jews. And in that synagogue, there were Jews who did believe in Yeshua and Jews that didn't believe in Yeshua. And they were all trying to follow the Torah. And there was a custom to follow in a Sabbath service where you would read the weekly Torah portion and make commentary regarding it. And in many cases, the commentary had already been established regarding what each Torah portion said. And so now in Acts chapter 21, verse 30, it says, And all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and they drew him out of the temple and the doors were shut. And so now the next thing we're going to see in Paul's writings and Paul's teaching is that Paul saw himself as an ambassador to go out into the nations and he saw primarily who he was to go out and to teach Messiah and his redemptive work in the nations were primarily those of the northern kingdom who were called the ten tribes who were also called the house of Joseph or Ephraim and to share Messiah and to bring them back to the Messiah to his Torah and to teach not only what he did at his first coming when he died on the tree, but to preach and proclaim his work at his second coming as well. And in going out to the northern kingdom, because the northern kingdom had for 700 years been assimilating and intermarrying with the non-Jewish world in which they lived in order to reach them because they were assimilated, it required Paul to teach and preach Messiah to all people, all nations, all races. And so now I'm going to share with you a biblical definition of the exiles of Israel, which Paul 
uses in Ephesians in chapter 2. And that term is near and far off. Let's look at it. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 7, it is written, O Lord, righteousness belongs unto you, but unto us, confusion of face as it is the state. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the southern kingdom, Well, that's going to conclude part 10 of the series on the subject, Paul's Life and Letters, For or Against Torah. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.